All right, what's up, guys? It's been a while. Welcome back to the Rigo's Rag podcast. Uh, apologize for the gap in time. We have been busy. It's the busy season, finals, work. It's been a whirlwind, but we tried to meet up a few times, but we weren't able to do it, but we are back now. Ian Cummings here with Nathan Britton and Jacob Kamaker. How's life, Nathan? It's going good, pushing through, getting ready to finish up school here. I've got senioritis, going to leave my job <laughs> I've had for five years, six years that I hate every second of, so I've got <laughs> senioritis, you know, on 10. But other than that, it's going good. Other than that, it's going good. Jacob, how's life with you? Oh, I'm pretty good. Crazy as ever, you know, just living life, loving football, and Doing what I do. Yeah, loving football, although in the past few weeks it's been more of a love-hate relationship if you're a Washington fan. And uh, we're going we're gonna to play catch-up here. We're going to start with some current events, and I think uh, it encapsulates our feelings pretty nicely. Uh, the Redskins yesterday. Okay, so Ruben Foster uh, was released by the San Francisco 49ers. For those of you who don't know, assault allegations. So pretty serious stuff. No one submitted a claim for him but Washington on the waiver wire. So Washington has his rights. Of course, there's a lot of other stuff that's got to clear up. and We don't know if he's innocent or guilty or whatever. So there's a lot of legal stuff that needs to be sorted through. So, Jacob, I will start with you. Then we'll go to Nathan. We'll just kind of get our thoughts about this. It's a very contentious topic. What What are your thoughts on Washington signing? Love it? Hate it? Was it way too aggressive? Reckless? I think reckless is probably the best way to describe it. And, you, you know, the funny thing about this whole thing is I wasn't surprised. When I heard a team had claimed him, I immediately went, my brain went to, I bet it's the Redskins. And lo and behold, they proved me right. Now, uh, we could spend all the time in the world talking about this from every single angle, and there's there's no denying that Foster is a talented player, and when he is on the field, he is a true three-down backer. But the fact of the matter is he has been in trouble during his time in San Francisco. This is the second time he has been accused of domestic violence. And granted, the first time the charges were recanted or dropped, whatever the word is there, um, and it is the same accuser, so that has many people just willing to believe that Foster hasn't done anything. But the fact of the matter is we don't know what happened. He has been accused of it, and that's bad enough. Frankly speaking, the fact that they were the only team to put a claim in on him, I view that as a bit of an embarrassment. Uh, the, the fact of the matter is he's innocent until proven guilty in the court of law. But given that this stuff has happened before with him and it's been controversy surrounding him, the fact that he'd be in this situation at the very least – is alarming, and frankly, I don't believe that he should be on any football roster at the moment. So my thought process is, yeah, you get a potentially talented player who could come in and change your team, but it's just not worth it because, you know, he has all of these off-the-field concerns, and let's face it, he might have hit a woman, and no one who does that should be in the league. And at this point in time, I just don't believe that Foster should have a team. So that, that's my two cents on the whole matter. Two cents from Jacob. Nathan, you got two pennies for us? I kind of echo Jacob. I, I look at it, if I was the guy in the Redskins front office who had to pull the trigger on putting a claim in, I don't think I would have been able to bring myself to do it. Now we know every, everyone's innocent until proven guilty. We know all that. We know that he's had this accusation put on him before, and she later recanted. We know that back in 2011, before she was with Foster, she did this with another 
boyfriend in Louisiana and actually served jail time when she perjured herself on the stand saying she just did it to try to get money. So it's real murky because she's not credible at this point, but we have a, a chronological series of events that could easily point to Foster being guilty of this. See, I, I agree that it is kind of embarrassing that you were the only team to put a claim in. Not that they knew that. I would, ass- I, I assume they didn't know that when they did it. So I, I wonder if that's a little bit of black mark. And the fact that Bruce Allen and and uh, Doug Williams declined to speak to the media today and kind of let Jake Rudin take take all that kind of shows that maybe they are a little bit like embarrassed. They don't really want to deal with it because they know that this is such a black cloud of a decision. Hopefully, it turns out that this is just I don't want to say hopefully it's a false accusation because you know you don't want to hope that this woman is just a pathological liar I mean it's bad to wish that on someone but you hope he didn't do it you hope that it's just a misunderstanding and if we can get back to playing football whether it's here or whether it's somewhere else Washington doesn't want to wait for it to play out is it just me or is the sound quality way better this time I don't know just something I noticed um <laughs> I don't know it's just it's crisp man I like it it's good to be back but um yeah, yeah, I I agree with both of you guys. I think uh, there's a lot to unpack with this entire situation. I mean, yeah, Ruben Foster, uh, let, let's say he even is innocent. Let's say that he can get started playing fairly soon. Like, let's say they drop all that. Even so, the Redskins were still very uh, reckless. They jumped the gun. You know, they, they signed him when the allegations were still pending. You know, no one knew if he was innocent or guilty, and they, they threw a claim in there anyway. In the statement, there was a report that came out that said Bruce Allen was the mastermind, but the statement was from Doug Williams, so, and then Jay Gruden was the only one. Cowardly. I know, and then Jay Gruden was the only one who was allowed to talk. It's like, what? Like, who, who, who's making the calls here? And then, in the statement, they said they had candid conversations with former Bama teammates of Foster. Then Jonathan Allen comes out, says he didn't talk to anybody. Ryan Anderson didn't talk to anybody. Sean Dion Hamilton, no comment. And in the full quote, Deion Hamilton, you know, I'm not good at extrapolating vocal tones, but, you know, he, he sounded kind of flustered, I don't know, just from his word choice. So, and, you know, we don't know who they might have talked to or who they might have not talked to. Like, they could have talked to other guys who didn't play for Alabama, but. Uh, but if, if I may cut in here, Ian, and I yeah. apologize, one important group they didn't talk to was the police. Yeah. <laughs> the Eagles were the only team that contacted the police department that dealt with Foster's charges, according to a story I read. So the fact that they didn't do their due diligence there, and even even though it's possible that they asked their his Alabama teammates about him and they're just choosing not to talk about it, that to me is still just a red flag because if you have players that are willing to vouch for him and say, like, you should pick him up, they should be willing to say, like, yes, that is what I said this is why I said, and I get they don't want to put themselves out there and at risk of defending a potential domestic abuser. But the fact of the matter is this whole situation is just messy. And there's the Redskins are going to have to deal with the fallout from it. And just the whole day just discussing this, no matter how you look at it, it's going to be messy. And it's it's just it's just so problematic. And the fact that the NFL had a chance of once again this this man who was accused of domestic violence, they could have said, no, we have zero tolerance for that. You don't belong on a team right now. And the Redskins just fouled that up. And they deserve they deserve the attention they're getting for it. And, you know, we'll see what happens from here. But it's still just not a good look at all. And Foster just doesn't belong on the team. I agree. But 
one thing is that he's not on the team right now. He's got pen that he's got that you know go through the legal process. And when the Redskins when the Redskins did this, I was talking to Ian before we we jumped on and started recording that this is a move move for the future. It's not for you know the home stretch of 2018. They're hoping he's got his contract goes to 2020. They're hoping that if it clears out, he can come on. They have a great young player to build off of on a cheap deal and they got him when he would have if nobody would have claimed him and he would have been a free agent and got cleared they probably wouldn't have had a chance to get him because there's going to be other enticing situations out there teams that are ready to go win now teams are going to throw more money at him so they kind of did this as a cost of fingers go head first into the the media storm one thing though is this team They've tried so hard over the past few years to start changing the narrative of who they are as an organization. This front office has been an embarrassment since Dan Snyder took over the team. They haven't really gotten much right. So they're losing fans. They hire some guy, Brian LaFamina, right from the NFL office in New York, trying to get these fans involved. And they go and do this. It kind of just seems like a like a same old Redskins type thing to me. Like you tried so hard, but deep down we peel it back and there's still the, the one glaring thing and that's, Dan Snyder, Bruce Allen, not really knowing what they're doing, to be completely honest. Yeah, it's um, it's a move from a pure football perspective. You know, it, you can kind of understand the move, you know, getting a talented player before everyone else had a chance to or was willing to. But at the same time, I would not have been willing to take a chance. I would I would not have been willing to put out a claim for Foster with these allegations hovering in the air. You know, that's just, that's just, that's just territory that I don't want to tread in. And it seems like Jacob and Nathan don't want, you guys don't want to tread in either. You know, when it's like, when it's up in the air like that, you don't want to, you don't want to give that an endorsement. I think, I think, I I don't want to say it sent a message, but it, it did not put the organization in a good light. It's, it's tricky because you do have people who, I think uh, my opinion on this whole thing is we – I think that we're all being very, very, very quick to crucify him. I don't think that we should be going as hard against him as you see some of these uh, blue check marks on Twitter doing. That said, I don't also – I also don't think that we should be anywhere close to giving him a pass. But I do think we need to kind of have a foot in both camps and kind of let it play out because it's one of those tricky situations where – Everyone's going so hard about how he's a terrible person, and what happens if it comes out that this lady just did, uh, this girl just uh, falsely accused him again, and everyone's going hard and trashing the Redskins, trashing him, and, and, and nothing's even going to come about it. I think it's one of those things where it's it's messy, no matter how you look at it, and you kind of just have to step back and let it play out. Who knows how long it's going to take? But the Redskins, they they felt that this is something that they were. I guess prepared to go in on with this, with the backlash they're going to get, and I mean they're they're getting it full force now. Yeah, we got we got a lot of other stuff to talk about. Jacob, just want to get a couple final thoughts from you on this, and then we'll pivot to something else. Yeah, uh, like I said earlier, and like Nathan just echoed, the situation is just entirely a mess. And I just I just want to say when we wrap this up. An overwhelming number of accusations are true. False accusations make up a tiny percentage of all accusations in sexual violence and domestic violence cases. I don't know the exact numbers off the top of my head, but we're just 
we're just at a point where we have to let this thing play out, like you said, Ian. But I, th- I think you put it best, Ian. I would not have claimed him. I get from a football standpoint why they tried to claim him and why they want him on their team as a player. But in this circumstance, personnel shouldn't have won out over the character concerns that he currently has. And we won't know the exact extent of those character concerns until this whole thing plays out. Yeah. For me, if the team was forced to make a decision that puts winning above accountability, uh, then don't make that decision. That's just something you don't do. So, um, and I just want to jump in real quick before yeah. uh, transition. Uh, you guys said that it should, it should the football side shouldn't have won over this, and I think that this is one more thing where we can look at that when when it's all said and done, the smoke clears on this a little bit. I really think we're going to see not to turn this into an anti front office thing, but I think we're really going to see who's really pulling the string still in Ashburn. Uh, it it sounds like Bruce Allen's going to take claim for this claiming of Ruben Foster, and no matter which way it goes, he's kind of put that out there now, and he's hid behind Doug Williams a little bit. But based off all these Alabama's players who have come out and said no comment or not, you know, I wasn't talked to. You know, Doug Williams doesn't seem like the kind of guy who's going to be all in on claiming him with this hangover head. So I do think that there might be something more to it than it's a football move. I do think that there is something the opposite. Bruce Allen is kind of trying to pull power rank. And if this blows up, Redskins fans might start uh, getting their wishes because I can't, the way the season's going, I can't see Bruce Allen. If it's, if it all goes South, especially this, I can't see him being there much longer, but that's a different conversation for a different day. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned the season. Let's get to that. Uh, you know, with this Ruben Foster situation, you'd hope that the Redskins season is going a little bit better, right? Uh, not so much. It, it was going well uh, after seven weeks. They were five and two. They were six and three after nine games. So uh, they were they were doing well. They were two games ahead of the NFC East, and now all of a sudden they're tied for first with the Cowboys, who have all the momentum right now. Cowboys have a little bit tougher schedule going forward, but uh, you can't rely on your opponents to lose. Washington is going to have to win the division. And do they look equipped to do that right now? Uh, I'm just, I started with Jacob last time. So Nathan, well, I'll start with you real quick. Uh, we're a little over halfway done. Are they equipped to win the division and you know what might happen from this point forward? I think they are equipped to. I think that this defense we saw what this defense did early on in the season where it was shutting everybody down and you know Tampa Bay is putting up 500 yards but only scoring three points and they're shutting Zeke and McCaffrey and all of them down. Um, I think this offense is eh, it's eh at best. I think Colt McCoy in terms of going to put it, put up more points is an upgrade over Alex Smith. You're obviously going to be you're going to see the turnovers that we saw that against the Cowboys. So I do think they're equipped. But, I mean, if they come out and show like they did on Thanksgiving, there's no there's no way. The, the schedule is in their favor um, with the division. They can go up to Philly if they win on Monday. There's a very good chance that this thing kind of swings back into their favor, all the momentum. So I, I think they can. Will they? I don't see that happening. I think that this is another case of we're really going to get down to the coaching aspect of it too, where this is the time where you 
you you make your money as a coach. And is Jay Green going to be able to get this team with losing a starting quarterback and a defense that's kind of sputtering a little bit? Is he going to be able to ride the troops and finish out strong? And we might see another time where it comes down to the final two or three games or a win you're in where Jay Gruden can't get his guys ready. So I, I don't think they're going to do it, but they're more than capable of, of doing it. Cool. Jacob? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say something that's probably like a ridiculous overreaction hot take, but <laughs> this week will probably decide the NFC East, like yes. this, this week of action. Maybe it isn't too big of an overreaction, but this week 13, the Cowboys and the Saints are playing on Thursday night. I don't know about you guys, but I firmly expect the Saints to win that game. The Saints <laughs> were my Super Bowl pick before the season. Uh, for the second straight year, that's looking pretty good for me. Oh, he's got um, to put that in yeah. there. Yeah, yeah I, I, I did pick the Eagles to win the Super Bowl last June. So, you know, wow. uh, shameless plug. I can prove that. Too, so <laughs> if you need proof, just reach out to me. But uh, anyway, uh, where was I? Yeah, so the Redskins are playing the Eagles. And the winner of that game will pretty much control their own destiny in the NFC East, provided that the Cowboys lose to the Saints, which, like I said, I expect to happen. If the Redskins win, they have a one-game lead over the Cowboys. They'll have a game in the bag against the Eagles, and they'll have a favorable schedule, like you mentioned, Nathan. They lose to the Eagles. Then you got a three-team tie at the top, and it's Eagles, Redskins, Cowboys. And just going down the stretch, if, if it's a three-team tie, I always will trust the best quarterback. And of that group, it's Carson Wentz. So I think we're at the point where if the Redskins can't win against the Eagles, it's going to be really hard for them to make it out of this division. They, they could still make the playoffs. It's possible. But like you said, Nathan, their offense isn't playing well. Colt McCoy, I don't think he's better than Alex Smith. I think he moves the ball a little bit more, but the turnovers just, they're, they're a big problem. And I know it wasn't entirely his fault against the Cowboys, but with Alex Smith, he at least limited his mistakes, even if it meant we weren't going to get any real big plays out of him. But I think that's the difference with McCoy at the helm. There's going to be a lot more mistakes and the team just isn't quite equipped to recover from those types of mistakes. So I think it's a hard uphill road for the Redskins. And if they can't win against the Eagles this week, I just don't see them being able to squeeze out the division, the division win this year. Yeah, and that's that's an interesting point you brought up, Jacob. Is uh, the the difference between Alex Smith and Colt McCoy? Because when Smith went down originally, everyone was like, "Oh, you know, Smith wasn't doing that much anyway. You know, they can they can win with McCoy." Which we can win with McCoy, but a lot of people were saying, you know, could it really be any worse? Like, kind of, you know. But and it's like, yeah, it could be worse. Colt, we could turn the ball over. And that's exactly what McCoy did in his first start. You know, one of those interceptions was uh, batted at the line, so it's not really his fault. But the other two were, uh, you know, McCoy trying to push down the field. And so I think, you know, the Redskins had a formula when they were winning. They had a formula that, you know, Alex Smith fit perfectly into that formula. You know, just run an efficient, steady offense. Don't turn the ball over. You don't have to be exciting like the Rams or the Chiefs. You're not going to get far in the playoffs, but you are going to make the playoffs uh, if you do the if you play that formula well. And Smith did. Now we got McCoy, who's uh, you know a more volatile quarterback, and uh, certainly you know the defense can't rely on him to get all that rest now in the running game. Uh, you know it, it's not 
you know, we, we, we saw it all kind of fall apart against the Cowboys uh, slowly. You know, they, they kind of got back in there a little bit and then they came back out. So, um, and I, this is one of those times where I think Jay Gruden will have to, you know, th- he's truly coaching for his job. And I, I, I've been growing less and less confident with Jay Gruden all season. I gave him this season to uh, prove himself, you know, to kind of adapt to the circumstances. A lot of other people were like, you know, no, he's got to go. He's got to go. But uh, I've not been impressed by what I've seen. And I think that uh, at this point, you know, morale is at an all-time low this season. Uh, you know, the Foster signing is just making more uh, you know, chaos in the Redskins Park. And then you got morale is low. DJ Swearinger's calling out his teammates. Uh, and, you know, they lost to the Cowboys by uh, almost double digits. They, they were out of that game for quite a bit. So it's you got you to gotta flip the script, and you, you, need a, you need a leader to do that. And so Gruden is definitely uh, – this is going to be a test for him and could decide his job. So I, I don't see it happening either, but uh, it's uh, definitely going to be a contentious end of the season. I don't know. It's crazy. Ian, I like what you said there about Jay Gruden coaching for his job and a leader because you look at what's going over this team, you lose your starting quarterback, uh, you're kind of sputtering on your best area of team play, which was your defense, your front seven. You're, you go from shutting running backs down to getting torched. Your offense is, your offensive line is banged up. You lose Sheriff for the year. You lose uh, LaValle for the year. Not that that's a huge loss, but <laughs> Adrian Peterson kind of, slowing down a little bit, whether that's age or whether that's, you know, age and, you know, a little bit of wear and tear or whether that's just the offensive line. This is the time where this is where you find out what what coaches are made of. You know, this is the type of the you, you think that I mean look at look at the Steelers are a perfect example. They're off their season started off terrible. Uh Antonio Brown tweet and trade me. Uh those players were they were fed up with it, the whole Le'Veon Bell distraction, and Mike Tomlin has just got those guys to push on through and kind of play for me, anti-Hugh Jackson play for me, and keep pushing on. They're going to probably win their division and go make a deep run of the playoffs. So this is Jay Gruden's time to really show that maybe he's not X's and O's. They are yet to be put into the top half of great coaches in the league, but you can keep, if you can keep this locker room, keep these guys focused and have them finish out strong when everything kind of going against them, their backs against the wall. I think that that's worth really considering whether they make the playoffs or not, whether you bring him back next year or not, because if they just, if they just fall apart these next five games and they go two and three or, you know, I guess they can't go 500, one and four or whatever. I, I, and they miss the playoffs. I find it very hard to see a scenario where Jigren's back for a sixth season where he's gone five years with one playoff appearance and, basically a 500 record every year. We'll see. It's his time to prove it. I think that the fans are going tired. I think that uh, a lot of, you can see a lot of the uh, media and stuff are kind of growing a little bit weary about what they think his future is going to be here in Washington. We're all in consensus. It's not looking great. And, uh, you know, if you had to put each of us on the spot, we'd say, you know, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think we're going to make the playoffs. Uh, We're almost out of time here. So let's cap it off with some forward thinking. You know, that's how you make progress, you forward think. So, uh, Jacob, so let's say the Redskins don't make the playoffs, another 8-8 eight and eight season, another offseason with a lot of confusion. We don't know where we're headed. What's your plan for the offseason? How do you turn this team around and try and get them back on the right page? 
Well, first of all, I, I think I agree with you guys. If, if Jay Gruden can't get this team, maybe not get this team to the playoffs, but at least show some fight down the stretch and really make a competitive run, I kind of think they'll, they'll move on from him and get someone else. So if that happens, I'd look for them to hire a new coach. Uh, maybe the Chiefs offensive coordinator, Eric, I believe his last name is the enemy. Um, I don't know if that's how it's pronounced, but he no might idea. be a good guy to look at. I'm a I'm a fan of him. I try to go out and hire him. Uh, then the the rest of the off season, you gotta build up build up in the trenches on offense. Get some help at the guard position and just get some more depth on that line. Uh, be sure you don't end up with a situation like you had this year where you're starting Jonathan Cooper off the streets and Tony Bergstrom who. I'm not a huge fan of. I he has some value as a deep backup, but I don't like the idea of starting him. And then you got to just you got to just keep building that defense and get some more offensive weaponry. You got to get a speed threat for the offense. I know Paul Richardson was going to fill that role, but he obviously has been hurt. Uh, you just you got to add some sort of offensive weaponry for Alex Smith to work with or Colt McCoy if Smith isn't ready to start the year. Um, and then just keep adding talent to that defense because as long as Smith is under contract, that defense is going to have to be what carries us. It'll be efficient offense and above-average defense that will make this team a playoff team. Um, so that would be my plan is find a new coach who can help revolutionize the offense a bit and just keep building that defense into a strength. Yeah, I, I'm in agreement with the, uh, with the coach thing. I think uh, in today's NFL, you got to be able to keep up and uh, coaches can get outdated really quickly. You know, we, we saw it with Jay Gruden. He was a respected offensive mind, but now it's very clear that his offense, you know, you need, uh, you need to take a step up. And uh, personnel plays a hand in that, but uh, if you have a good scheme, then you can, you know, you'll see those results. I think the Colts uh, have kind of experienced that, although they do have some playmakers. Uh, Nathan, what's your... What's your formula to get the Redskins back on the right track if things don't go their way in these final five games? To echo Jacob and you, you got a clear house. I think that, uh, you know, I like Jay Gruden as a guy. I really I really do. Like, every time I think about letting him go and I see, you know, him on the practice field or I see his private conference, I feel bad because he's, he's a nice guy. I like him, but you got to win football games. And one playoff appearance in five years isn't going to cut it. Uh, having a top – half of the league top 12 top 10 offense every year and then dropping down to the lower half of the league this year when you're the offensive mind to come in here and kind of set everything straight you can't do it so I would go out and I would probably I would ideally look for a defensive minded head coach with this defense being better than this offense I think that if you can get that in there you can kind of turn this defense into something fearsome I do like uh, Jacob's idea of going out and getting the Chiefs OC because he had he's worked with Alex Smith. He Alex Smith was coming off his best year when he came here to Washington, and you know so he might know what to do with that. I also would like to see maybe take a look at the Bears OC uh, Mark Helfrich. I think is, his, is what his last name is. I love what he's doing with uh, Mitch Trubisky, who really isn't anything super spectacular as a passing prospect, but you know. He's got him going, throwing six touchdown games. He's getting all the receivers going. He's getting the running back spread out. So, I think you got a clean house. I would look and try to keep Jim Tom Sula as if like if there's one person I'm not letting leave, it's probably him. I love what he's doing with this front seven. Uh, he's getting these defensive linemen big and getting back there, getting their numbers. So, I, I just think you have to clean house, and I think it starts with Jay Gruden on down. That's uh that's an interesting name, Mark Helfrich. I, I haven't. 
you know, we, we've seen a lot of potential candidate lists as the uh, season kind of goes on and uh, it's looking less and less promising, but that's, that's the name I've, I've heard. And, you know, he's working under Matt Nagy, who's an innovative offensive mind. So that's a, that's a good, that's a good name. I, I also like yeah, Todd. He, he might be, he might need a little bit more seasoning before he can really start to be considered a head coaching candidate. But I, I love what he's doing up there. He's, I mean, that team turned it way around. Yeah. Yeah, they have. And uh, they got, they got a diverse array of weapons on offense and a, a great defense. So, but that's, that's a good option. I like Todd Monken out of Tampa Bay too. Uh, he's a good one. And, you know, if they, if they want to turn to a young college coach like Matt Campbell or I don't know, Cliff Kingsbury, I don't know. I know less about Kingsbury. I prefer Campbell. I know Matt Valdovino is one of our contributors. He's, he's always, uh, he's always rooting for him on Twitter. So that's another option. There, there's a lot of options and, uh, the Redskins will have to make the right choice though, you know, because that's the difference between, you know, moving forward and four more years of stagnation, you know, wondering, was it the injuries? Was it this? Was it that? Was it that? Or was our coach just not good enough? So that's, yeah, it's definitely, definitely a very, very important issue. And it's going to be a, a, a a turning point for this franchise. You know, they gotta, they gotta make the right choice because if not, you know, the implications and the consequences could last far longer than they hope. So, um, unfortunately, we are out of time, though, guys. We're uh, past 30 minutes, so we hope you enjoyed this edition of the Rigo's Rag podcast, trying to catch up with everything. It's a, it's a hectic season, but um, hopefully we'll be back soon. Uh, if we're not back before the end of the season, we'll be back and we'll recap everything. We'll talk about it. Uh, we'll always be ready to fire off our opinions and stuff. We hope you enjoyed this, and uh, peace out. Have a good night.